Hello, Forever Family. My name is Shannon. I'm the Recovery Pastor. And we are in a series called The Seven Stages of Loving Someone in Addiction. This video is part two, or stage two, and it's called Clinging to Hope. If you haven't yet, go back and watch the intro. Um, it's the explanation of why there is this series. And also watch part one, or stage one, and uh, which is called Shell Shock. And that will bring you up to this video. So again, posted, um, I had a message from someone that says, hey, when you talk about the loved ones who are loving someone in addiction or through addiction. And I posted on Facebook, got your replies, separated them, separated them out into um, what I think is seven stages. This is not a clinical study. This is strictly, I saw your responses and here we are. So we're in stage two. Stage two is clinging to hope. Okay. So we've gone through shell shock and now we're clinging to hope that this will just go away. We're trying to help our loved one who is battling addiction, but at the same time we're covering up for them. Because in, in some fairy tale mindset, we really think that we're just going to wake up and everything's going to be back to normal, or at least that's what we hope. So even though we're trying to, to help them and we're trying to um, cover up their actions, we find our ourselves slipping into codependency. Codependency becomes our new best friend. We don't even know we're doing it. So let me describe codependency to you. So you wake up one morning and your first thought is, how do I need to take care of my loved one today? Instead of thinking about your own needs, you're thinking about your loved one. Well, you might be codependent. If you wake up and you're more worried about making sure your loved one has their power bill paid, food in their house, their water bill paid, a car to run and do whatever they want to, um, fresh wash closed, or money to get their drug of choice. If you wake up worrying about that first, instead of worrying about what you're going to have for breakfast, you might be codependent. If you wake up feeling the urge to rush to your loved one, literally to make sure they are still alive because they won't answer your phone calls, as soon as, as your eyes are popping open, you're calling them to make sure that they're still where they're supposed to be. But when they don't answer, you're, you're really fighting that urge to run over there and you might even find yourself running over there to make sure they're still alive. You might be codependent. If you forget to eat during the day, and I promise you I've had people tell me this, like I was so consumed with taking care of this, 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 this for my loved one, I forgot to eat for the whole day. So if you forget to eat during the day because you're jumping every time your loved one needs you to go do something, even though it's not a task that's vital to survival, you still jump up and go run and do it, you might be codependent. So... That's different ways that I can describe it. I can go on and on with several different ways, but let's look at the actual definition of what it means to be in codependency. So codependency is a condition that affects 
someone's ability to have a healthy relationship. It is often associated with relationships where there are substance abuse. Not always, but often. In a codependent relationship, the codependent person enables unhealthy behavior such as alcoholism in a loved one while sacrificing their own needs. So let me, let me repeat that again. The codependent person enables the unhealthy behavior such as alcoholism. So the loved one, the codependent, enables unhealthy behavior. The loved one may take that person alcohol to keep them from going through withdrawals because how painful they see the withdrawals can be. But they do this while they are sacrificing their own needs. So instead of getting up and making sure, because we're still talking about this example of alcoholism. So instead of getting up and uh, making your own children's breakfast or lunches to, to go to school, you've left that to your spouse because you have got to go over to your, your loved one who's in addiction and bring them alcohol to keep them from detoxing and going through withdrawal symptoms. So you sacrifice your own needs in order to make sure that you have taken care of the loved one in addiction. This is codependency. So let's talk about some of the emotions that are associated with what I'm calling stage two, clinging to hope. And again, this comes straight from your replies, uh, all the messages and the texts and, and the emails that you've sent me. These emotions, and this is not the end of the list. I'm sure there are many more that can be added and you're welcome to comment because there may be someone who is not dealing with something on this list, but they can relate to what you're commenting. So some of these emotions are passive aggressive, feeling powerless, feeling fearful of every ring of the phone or knock on the door, feeling hopeless. This is one that really got me. Someone said, I feel guilty for having my basic needs to survive met while my loved one is in a house with no power, no water, no food, and will not allow us to come and see them. That's hard. Another emotion is the shame of what's going on. You might even feel shameful of your own actions of helping them. But at the same time, you, you fear if you don't, who knows what they would do to get their, their addiction fulfilled. The stress is through the roof. While we're trying to cling to help, I mean, I'm sorry, we're trying to cling to hope. The stress is so bad that you may even not even be sleeping at night. And if you are, you're only sleeping maybe an hour or two at the most, and you may not even be getting any deep sleep to fully rest. You start feeling the rage, the anger, because you feel like you have to take care of them, because maybe they've given up on life. 
And this was another one that really made me sit and think. I had someone say, it's misery in the silence. When you sit there and you, you don't feel like you can talk to anybody about this and you don't know what to do, so you're doing the best you can and you're clinging to anything you can find on the internet, but it really doesn't fit your situation. You're in misery in the silence. And they said, sometimes the silence is so loud, it's deafening. Well, that hit home to me because I've used that phrase before. Sometimes in the midst of our valleys or our trials, the silence is so loud that it's deafening. The next one is, I just can't let anyone know because my loved one is not a bad person. In this world, everywhere we turn, we are so quick to point fingers and say, if you do this, you're bad. If you do this, you're worthless. Again, addiction doesn't discriminate. It doesn't care what color you are. It doesn't care how much money you've got. It doesn't care where you live. It doesn't care what kind of shoes you wear. It doesn't matter what kind of car you drive. Addiction will welcome everyone with open arms. So remember, a phrase that I've said many times, addiction makes good people do bad things. It's not the person. It's the addiction. It's the, the result of being an active addiction. Another emotion was, uh, or another response, emotional response was, I can't fix this. And... I know that no one needs to know this, but I can't fix it. I'm a letdown. I've let them down. I can't fix this. You know, there comes a point where, and this is hard, we have to realize that we can only do so much. We need other people to walk this journey with us. So if you are in active addiction or you know someone who is in active addiction, always remember it's never too late to ask for help. It's absolutely never too late. If you are loving someone in active addiction, it's never too late for you to ask for help. It's never a bad thing for you to say, I need somebody to talk to. I need somebody to guide me through this. You can always send me messages. My email will be in the description. I have plenty of people that are resourced. I would love to hook you up with someone and let you talk to them and let them start walking you through the beginning steps of recovery. You know, God didn't create us um, to be in active addiction or to be miserable or to, to feel worthless. God created every single one of us with a purpose. And that purpose is to prosper. It's not for us to be um, consumed by this world. So regardless of how this has um, beaten you down, or maybe you do feel worthless for worthless or that you can never achieve anything else, I'm going to tell you that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. I have seen many people come out of addiction and be so amazingly productive in life, but not only productive in life, they're now involved in ministry. They speak life to other people. They're helping others walk out recovery. So you're not alone. There are many people that would love to come alongside of you and walk this journey with you. So please reach out. We do want to give you resources. So if you haven't watched it yet, go back and watch the intro. Go back and watch stage one. This is stage two. It's called Clinging to Hope. 
I look forward to your comments, your responses, your feedback, and you're welcome to inbox me or email me. So, until next time, much agape, everybody.